Glad that they're here tonight, and then you can be seated. thank everybody uh, for coming out tonight. We're so glad that you're here. Just want to welcome, I'm kind of looking around, I can't see everybody, we just walked in, but welcome uh, Pastor Jason and Tracy from New Creation Church in Craig, Colorado, and everybody that's with them. Amen. Pastor Shane, New Creation Church of Meeker, and they are here. And so I'm, I'm looking around, sorry if I don't see anybody else who's here representing other churches. We're glad that you're here. New Creation Church, we're glad that you're here. Praise the Lord. And um, man, we're just blessed and honored, really uh, privileged uh, that uh, Brother Jesse would take out of his schedule um, to come to Glenwood Springs and the New Creation Church tonight and uh, just come to, to bring the Word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit into our life. And um, I'm just telling you, we got the privilege to just meet him just a short time ago. And uh, man, I'm telling you what, he's exhorted me, stirred my inner man just in the ride up here. And so uh, it's just been, uh, man, we've been praying for these meetings. We have been expecting. And uh, man, I'm I'm full. I'm ready, uh, you know, just for more overflowing. God's a God of overflow. Don't you know that? And so uh, really without any further ado, I want him to have uh, all the time. You know, he's been ministering all over the world and he's here. So, you know, just, uh, you know, just look to that and say, you know what, Jesus, you put gifts in the body and uh, he's a gift to the body. He's God's gift. uh, And I don't mean this in any bad way, in, in a Bible way. He's God's gift to you. God, Jesus gave gifts unto men, and God's got things he's going to bring that are going to stir the gift in you. They're going to equip you. They're going to bring revelation to you, and so open up your hearts. Put your hands together and give a warm Glenwood Springs welcome to Brother Jesse Duplantis as he comes to minister to us. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Oh, oh glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Please, you may be seated. You can do that anytime you want to. It's just whatever. It's an honor and a pleasure to be in Colorado. Notice I said it right instead of Colorado. Been to Colorado many, many times, and uh, we were flying in, and uh, I said, oh, God, this is like going to heaven. I I was telling Pastor Mark, I said, man, I I said, if I ever would retire, people are always asking me, you know, but Jesse, you going to retire? I said, do I look tired? No, no. <laughs> if I did, I'd come to Colorado. I love, I love this place. Lord, gee. Now, I, I'm a southern boy, so I don't know nothing about snow. And when we were driving, I thought, I, I'd get in wrecks around because I'd be looking at the mountains. Uh, it's just such a blessing of the Lord. And I've never been to Glenwood. I've been close. I've been to Vail. I've been to Craig. I've been to uh, Montrose. I've been to Uray. I've been to Silverton. Yeah, Colorado Springs. Uh, Denver, but that don't count, Denver. Uh, uh, Estes Park, I mean, all over, and riding motorcycles and things of that nature. And, uh, oh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. But it's such an honor to be here, and I mean that sincerely. And so thank you for coming. I want every minister and minister's wife to stand to your feet, if you don't mind. If you're a minister or a minister's wife, would you please stand? Praise the Lord. Look ahead. My God, what a blessing of the Lord. Woo. Thank you. You may be seated. They say, Bible says, how can they hear unless they have a preacher? Ain't no way you can get laid off. There's 7.8 billion people on this planet and 2.3 billion Christians. We're behind schedule. And I believe Jesus is coming very soon. You know, I I believe he's coming in my lifetime. Some people say, well, suppose he don't. Well, if he don't come get me, I'll go get him. Anyway, we're going. It doesn't make any difference, you know. But I'm believing for the rapture. I had a guy eat my lunch the other day. He said, I don't believe in the rapture. I said, stay here. <laughs> do what you got to do. But Jesse going out on the first load. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and God is so good. Come quickly, Roy. <laughs> Roy's been with me 30 years, right, Roy? Hallelujah. Give Roy a hand clap. Hallelujah. When I first hired him, he had hair on his head. Now he's got hair on his chin. Praise <laughs> God. 
What a blessing of the Lord. I brought some material. I've heard it all. It's very good. <laughs> this is our newest book called The Hidden Help, dealing with angels. I've had many encounters with angels and many great, you know, Kenneth Copeland's a great friend of mine. He said, Jesse sees stuff. I mean, he just happened, you know, and, and, and he's, every time I go to his house or he comes to mine, he says, sit down, tell me some things, you know. But I, I, I did a teaching on this as well as the, the different encounters I've had with angels. I don't doubt that you have met an angel. You've entertained angels unaware and don't even realize and know it. And, uh, but most people know about Michael the Archangel or Gabriel or even Lucifer. But you ever heard of Metatron? Metatron, the Jehovah angel. And he showed up at the burning bush before Yahweh did. Go read it. You'll see that. That angel of God, the Jehovah. And then Yahweh showed up. This will bless you. It's called the hidden help because the spirit world is so much bigger than the natural world. And I mean, it's a blessing of the Lord. I hope you can get this and you'll be blessed. Man, would you like to have this book? I'll give it to you. Praise the Lord. There you go. Right there. And uh, what else you got there, Roy? Oh, you got, you got my, one of my favorite books. This is me. Not the picture. Forget the picture. I never learned to doubt. I know nothing of doubt whatsoever at all. I was raised like people in church. I was christened and confirmed the Catholic boy. Anybody been Catholic at least once here? Oh, we got some Catholic people. Hold your hand up if you've been Catholic at least once. Okay, put your hand down. How many of you went to confession? Hold your hand up. Put your hand down. How many of you told the truth? <laughs> this is the first church that nobody lived today in. <laughs> And now you Protestants don't understand, we lie like a dog in a confession boot, man. Because we're trying to get out with three Hail Marys and three Our Father. You Protestants have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, and, and buddy, you can quote that prayer because they're jamming in you so deep. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Am I right? And then the other one, our Father, who art in heaven, I be that name, make you look on the Notice I'm saying it fast. Because you're trying to get out the confession with three Hail Marys and three Our Fathers. You see, that's how you do that. You Protestants didn't know that because y'all was outside protesting. <laughs> that's what a Protestant means, protest. I never learned to doubt. Doubt is mental anemia. It's actually a form of atheism. You know, when you doubt God's word, you doubt that he exists. In, in St. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. See, when you doubt his word, you doubt that he exists. This will shake you to your shoes. Amen. It's got revelation knowledge in it. And I tell you, it will minister. I never learned to doubt. It's a blessing. It's back there. Uh, man, would you like to have this book? Well, y'all glad y'all sat on the front row, huh? Praise God. <laughs> what a blessing. What else you got there, bro? Oh, my God, you brought that thing. My <laughs> Lord. This here, over 400,000, maybe more that I've sold over the years. And I've had, and I preach all over the world. Now, make a long story short. Uh, and, and people have been royally criticized. I have been persecuted by the best. I was the number one story in the world four years ago. They, they, I mean, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, Good Morning America, all were nailing me about four jets. Anybody remember that? And which was a lie. I, I, I've had four jets, but not at one time. And I gave away two of them. They didn't tell you that. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and it was just amazing, you know. And my daughter said, Daddy, you the strongest man. I said, man, because when I walked out the hotel in New York, boom, I was just hit with all the uh, paparazzi, all the different people. And I just smiled at them, you know. And I said, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? He said, you'll kill it with joy. <laughs> and I did, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you might have seen it the last one. They were nailing me on Good Morning America. The lady was telling the story, and I'm just smiling. And it's the best thing ever happened to me. Now people that didn't know me know me. <laughs> and uh, to make a long story short, I mean, and there were the three people on Good Morning America, that, you know, the, the host over there. Uh, the lady just stopped that was doing the story. She said, you know, he's going to get that jet. He's going to get that plane. And I'm just looking at it. And, and the Lord said, watch this, Jesse. And the, the three hosts said, you know, he's going to get that plane. He's going to get that plane. And the Lord said, look, Jesse, even the devil's agreeing with you. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, I got the plane. I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't make a lick of difference to me. People say, I don't think you ought to have that. I don't think I asked you. <laughs> now, I don't mean that to be rude. Uh -uh. You, you have no idea what it takes to run this ministry. Well, a lot of people need financial help. If prosperity, watch it. If money is so bad, how come you have a hard time giving it away? Now, if it's bad, you eat something bad, don't you spit it out? 
Well, why do you have a hard time giving away something bad? Because it's not bad. It's not. It's a tool that you use in an economic world. It's the love of money. You fall in love with that, you got problems. I preached this several years ago. This is a two-DVD set. One is the message, the other is question and answer. And there's a little pamphlet called, Why Is It My Giving Working? Now, according to the scripture, when you give, you ought to be so blessed, right? But you see, the reason why people don't understand is because they're doing it wrong. There's only four types of giving in the Bible. There's the tithe. What is this motivation? Obedience. There's the first fruit. What is this motivation? Generosity. There's the alms. What is this motivation? Compassion. Then there's the seed. What is this motivation? Faith and reward. You see, and you have to stay in line because God's a God of order. Now, Pastor Mark, I'm pretty sure you've heard this. You ever heard somebody say, I'm going to take a portion of my tithe and I'm going to give it to a missionary or something. You know what you just did? You just changed the rate of exchange. See, if you give a, a poor man $100, guess what you get back? $100. He that pitieth the poor lendeth to the Lord, I shall repay. You get back the $100, you're still at zero. Wait a minute, that shouldn't be. You ought to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in, blessed going out. How come you're still at zero? Because you changed the rate of exchange. You changed your tithe to arms. Oh, look at y'all. Listen. This is going to sell out tonight. This will shake you to your shoes. I've had people from China, South Africa, New York, Los Angeles, Russia say, of all the things on giving, this is the only one that's worked because it's right. And I've been preaching 47 years, and I've never had a financial deficit. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Why? Didn't believe for it. And we kept things in order the way God does things in order. That's back there if you'd like to get it. Pastor, you have this? I'm going to give you this. I think you, you, you're going to wind up preaching this stuff. I'm telling you, why isn't you giving? What else you got? Oh, now this the reason why I wrote this book, because I was once a Catholic. And I had a Sicilian priest. And I, instead of calling him father, I called him father. I said, father, I need to talk to God. He said, what's the matter with you? You don't talk to God, you're talking to me. I said, well, do you talk to God? He said, no, I don't talk to God. Oh, what do I want to talk to you for? I've got to talk to the man. And I wrote this book. All my books are number one bestsellers called Wanting a God You Can Talk To. I like this. Hello, Jesus. Hi, Jesse. I kind of like that. Notice both our names starts with a J. Something spiritual about that. I just don't know what it is. I did, yeah, this will bless you and minister them. Man, would you like to have that? Absolutely. Yeah, well, you got that. Praise God. All right. Stand to your feet real quick. Stretch a little bit. If you've got to rub something, rub it quick. Get it over with. Okay, you can be seated. I just want to make sure that everything's working good. How I got here, I have never heard of this church. Mark Hankins is a good friend of mine. You know, we all started out together. I'm four years older than Mark, you know, and stuff. But I think he's been preaching two years longer than me, I think, maybe, maybe three. Because I was not raised in church. I was christened confirmed the Catholic. And I knew nothing about God because they told us don't read the Bible. I'll never forget that. Don't read the Bible. Only the priest can interpret the Bible. Am I telling the truth? You've been, you know, so, uh, and, and they said, because if you read the Bible, you go crazy. I'll never forget the first time, Mark, I saw a Pentecostal woman. Lord, gee. Whoop, 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 whoop. And I thought, she'd been reading that Bible. <laughs> Somebody better take that Bible from the crazy one. I believe that. Now, you notice I'm hesitating because I, ha I have a sermon here that will knock your life. It's revelation knowledge, Lord Jesus. It's right here, but I'm not going to preach it. <laughs> I didn't really want to do this, but I, I want you to listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. And I don't mean this in, a, in an arrogant sense in any way, shape, or form. If you've got your Bibles or your iPads or your telephones or whatever you use, I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to mix a little bit of my testimony in this too, simply because I've never been here. And you may have, how many of you have seen me on television or Flashpoint or, or social media and all that kind of stuff? Did y'all just see, we just came back from Nashville. Did y'all see that? Well, we had a, <laughs> and you know that guy, Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, he says, Jesse, you need to do a commercial with me. You mean you want me to sell your pillows? <laughs> he said, man, you just have that life in you. He's a great guy, really. It's just a blessing of the Lord. And, uh, and we had such fun, you know. And uh, uh, Brother Copeland and Gene, he'd been saying, Jesse, you got to do more of these flashpoints. I do enough work, you know. I mean, and it's constant, you know, and God's been so gracious. Since yesterday, this is my ninth meeting. 
You can only do that with an airplane. Flying and preaching and doing television and different things of that nature. Second Corinthians chapter 9, I want to start reading with verse 6. And I want to talk about a little word called all. Now, how many of you believe the word of God? Hold your hand up. Let's find out. Let's find out. Paul writing to the church here in Corinth, he said, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, but this I say, he was so sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. And he was so bountifully, shall reap also bountifully. What part of that you don't understand? What part of that you didn't get? Well, watch this. Because there's no faith in that verse. None. Zero. That's, it's simply action and reaction. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Now, y'all can, put, y'all can take my name off if you want to put it up on the screen. You can if you like to, whatever. I know my name, so <laughs> you don't need to know my name. You know, just know Jesus' name. But watch that. He was so sparingly, should reap also sparingly. He was so bountifully, should reap also bountifully. The next verse. It says, every man, that means every person, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Watch this. Not grudgingly. Now, something's going to knock your socks off. No necessity. Now, why do you give the need when he says you shouldn't do that? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I want you to listen. Every man according as he purposed in his heart. Look at that. So let him give, not grudgingly, no necessity, for God loveth, and say like it, he loveth the cheerful giver. Every man according as he purposed in his heart. Now, I want an honest answer. How many times you went to a meeting... And you gave, and when you got home, you thought of this. I shouldn't have done that. Hold your hand up. Don't lie. Hold your hand up. I'm going to hold both my hands up. You know why? Because you didn't purpose in your heart. See, that's done before you get to church. That's not done while you at church. So you will move by an emotional financial pool, which a lot of ministers do that. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. What is purpose? Purpose affords you anchorage in the times of battle. Purpose will give you a foundation under your feet. I'm going to preach this out of my spirit today. Purpose will give you that foundation. You've got something to stand on. Now, anytime you're a person of purpose, you become a person of prayer. Purpose and prayer get together, and they begin to have a baby named perception. So you could read that verse like this, every man according as he purpose, prayed, and perceived. So you know what to do, when to do it, where to do it, and how to do it. Now, when purpose, prayer, and perception gets together, then power takes place. Now, people love power, but it's the one that's the most dangerous. Why? Because you must be superior to power instead of driven by it. See, that's why politicians mess up. That's why preachers mess up. They're driven by power instead of being superior to it. So you could read that verse this way. Every man according as he purpose, prayed, perceived, and power, so let him give. Not grudging him, nor necessity. You know, why would you give to your need? My, my wife, Kathy, I'll be married to her next month, 53 years. She's such a blessing. Oh, and I got to make an announcement if she's watching right now, because uh, it's later in New Orleans. Uh, the reason I don't have my wedding band on, I left it on the plane. Don't get mad at me, okay? Because, <laughs> boy, she watched me. She goes, <laughs> I can't believe she's still jealous after 53 years. I said, look at me, woman. I, I, I'm an old man. She said, not to me. I said, get down with your bad self, baby. How you doing? I start walking like a black man. I put my lean on. Hey. <laughs> Every, I can hear it from New Orleans. Shut up. I say, okay. Every man according as he perceived, so let him give, not grudging on necessity. She said, Jesse, you never ask God for a need, and I never will. It's a waste of spiritual energy. Why would you ask God for a need when he said he would supply how many? All. How many? All. How many? All. Well, why are you doing that? He said all, didn't he? Yeah. Why, why are you doing that? Now, I want an honest answer. Oh, I want you to hold your hand up. How many of you need some money? Hold your hand up. Don't lie. Hold it up. You know why you need some money? You want to know why? Because you don't know how much you want. You know how much you need. Also, Mike, I'm going to tell you, tell them what you need right away. But you don't, you, you don't know how much you want. Well, you can't do that. See, the church has said, if you tell God what you want, that's greed. No, that's growth. The law is my shepherd, I shall not. Let patience have its perfect work, that you're perfect and entire. Wanting. Ladies, if you tell your husband what you need for Christmas, 
you can get a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> that ain't for you. That's for the house. That's, that's for the house. You want something personally. Well, that's greed. Well, why, do you think it, why, why don't you think it's greed if your children come and say, Grandma, I want this for Christmas, or Mama, I want this. You don't think that's greed? What makes you think God's going to think it's greed? Because the church will, through homiletics, hermeneutics, philosophy, and theology, made you think that was greed when it's actual growth. Every man according as he purpose pray perceived, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor necessity, for God loveth, not like he loveth a cheerful giver. See, so when you have what you want, you don't even think about need. When you got what you want, need is not a part of your life anymore. Think about that. And yet God said, I'll do that. I'll supply your wants. If you delight you, therefore, self in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Not his desires, yours. He trusts what you want. He trusts what you desire. Church world don't. The secular world don't, but God does. You see what I'm saying? And then he said, I'll supply all you need according to his riches and glory. See, when I read that, being a child, that ne- a Catholic who did not read the Bible, because I have no doubt in me, ma'am, I... You know, children are born believers until you teach them the doubt. I know nothing of doubt. So when I read the Bible in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, I went, wow, man, he created the heaven and earth. I just took that upon, by his stripes you were healed. Okay, I'll accept that. Don't complicate this. See, the church world has made it complex. When it's not, it's very simple. Next verse. Every man according, uh, it's next, and God is able. I call it the black verse, and God is able. Mm. I said, the Lord. I said, the Lord is able, 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 able. able. <laughs> Look at the white people. Uh, what? T.D. <laughs> Jake's a good friend of mine. I like the best. He said, Jesse, you're the blackest white man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he said, man, you can say stuff to black people that I can't say, and I'm a black man. He said, but they know you love them. I see no color. Color does not exist with me. Now, I was raised in the deep south. Now, my grandparents and my uncles, they were prejudiced, but not my mama. Oh, no, no. She said, you're going to say yes, sir. You're going to say no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, to anyone. So color is not a part of my life. I mean, okay. And so many people think, why are we fighting over this stupid prejudice? You think if you needed a blood transfusion and you was a white man and you got a pint of a black man's blood, you could sing better? <laughs> I don't think so. You know why? It's just blood. Been fighting over skin, one sixteenth of an inch of pigmentation. Been fighting over dirt. There's five colors of people on the earth. Black people, red people, white people, brown people, yellow people. Watch this. There's only five colors of dirt on the earth. Black dirt, red dirt, yellow dirt, white dirt, brown dirt. What are you? Dirt. You've been fighting over mud. For what? And God is able. I like it. And God is able to make how much grace? Look at that little word all. And God is able to make all grace abound toward who? You. That you always having all sufficiency in all what? Why does the church get mad when you have things? Why does the second world? When God said, now Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is a substance of hope for the evidence of it's your thing. Do what you want to do. God don't care what you drive. God don't care what you live in. God don't care what you wear. Church world does. Secular world does. Jesus was poor. When? I've had theologians try to come. When? When? He never was. I'm going to prove to you that Mary and Joseph were not poor because they paid taxes. Poor people in those days did not pay taxes. They had to go to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus said to do it. Think about that for a minute. Plus, he had a trade. Out of the whole nation of Rome, the city of Rome, there was only 3,000 Roman citizens and, and everyone else was slaves. And they controlled the economy of the world. See, God is able to make all grace. So what are you mad at me for? 
All grace abound toward you, that you're always having all sufficiency in all things. God don't care. That's why I make no excuses for the blessing of God in my life, because it's all sufficiency in all things. Don't look at me. Look at the scripture. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you what God said. We're going to find out if you believe this. All sufficiency in all things may abound. There's another big word. To every good work. Next verse. He is dispersed abroad, or as it's written, he is dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. Should do that. His righteousness remaineth forever. Yeah, but I don't feel righteous. It don't matter the way you feel it. You may not feel married, but look at the woman. You are. <laughs> look at Mark looking at Tasha. Yeah, I got I got this. It don't matter what you feel. I'm gonna shock you. I had a guy come up to me like going, he said, you know. I'm a man trapped. I'm a, a woman trapped in a man's body. I said, what'd you say? He said, I don't know if I'm a man or a woman. I said, let me give you some revelation. Look down. <laughs> Just look down. They're going to tell you what you are. It's going to tell you exactly what you are. Yeah, but I don't feel it. Don't make no difference what you feel. That's what you are. They bury you and they, and they, they dig you up 10,000 years from now and do a DNA example on you. You're going to be a male. How stupid can some people be? (laughs) You got to teach a boy to be a boy. You got to teach a girl to be a girl. There's nothing wrong with that. You see? And God is able. Let me say that. He has written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Next verse. Now he was ministered seed to the sower, not the keeper, the sower, ministers bread for your food, multiplies your seed. You have sown, increases the fruits of your righteousness. This thing is getting bigger and bigger. Come on. Next verse. Being in which, being which you are enriched, not just rich, enriched in all liberality, all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Do you realize how big that is? You shouldn't be suffering. But the church world has preached suffering. Boy, we know how to suffer. We just don't know how to obey. Do we know how to suffer? Beat me, Jesus. Just beat me, Jesus. No, he won't beat you. I heard a preacher say this on TBN one time, and it like that blew my socket. You know, God will abuse you, and then he'll use you. I thought, you crazy fool. <laughs> abusers, child abusers go to, go to jail. God don't abuse. Satan is the abuser. Because God is able. I'm going to go back to that verse again. For God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Good God. I mean, my, why should you have any struggle, spiritual, physical, or financial, when he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? 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 As it is Where? In my father's house are many what? How come you're not living in a mansion? Church won't let you. Secondly, we'll get mad at you. What you going to do when you get there? What you are going to do when you get to heaven? And you start walking on gold streets and you see diamond, barrel, jasper, onyx, ruby, pearly gates. Good God. What are you going to tell Jesus? No, Jesus. This ain't right. We're from Colorado. You got a trailer? No, I ain't got no trailer. <laughs> don't shout, don't shout. I'm flying out tonight. Don't get mad at me. And there ain't nothing wrong with trailers. I'm trailer trash. Somebody needs to call people trailer trash. But you are going to live in a mansion. What's the word mansion mean? Big. Why are you waiting? Answer that. Why? You accepted John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. We didn't say would not, said should not, but have everlasting life. Then nobody can talk you out of salvation. How can they talk you out of blessing? How come they can talk you out of healing? It's the same Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. Why don't you read a couple of scriptures above and below? He went to do a meeting. And all the hotels are full and everything's full. And nobody offered him a place to stay. Go read the thing. 
Just the same thing that happened to him in Bethlehem. He wouldn't have been born in a stable. He'd have been born in a hotel room. But they couldn't get in. Hotel rooms cost money. I thought they didn't have any. Let the elevator go to the top here. Why don't we accept this the way Jesus did? Jesus never had a financial deficit. Now, don't get mad at me. I don't mean to sound arrogant. I've never had one neither. Now, Mark, did I, when I came, did I, did, do I charge, did I charge you any money? I never do. I receive an offering, not to meet my expenses, ma'am, because I don't know how much they are. Because in 1978, God said, Jesse, I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to believe for it. See, and the church was always trying to get you to pay for something instead of believe for something. If you believe for something, you go more than pay for something. Write that down. That's a good note. Do you see that? You get to a point that struggling is not a part of your life because you're living here like you would live there. That's what he said you could do. Well, I know he said that, but that's the biggest but you ever see. You need to get rid of that but. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you understand that God is able, the Lord is able. So people look at me and say, who do you think you are? I said, how much time you got? Sit your ugly self down. I'm going to tell you who I am. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the, and the words without form and born darkness on the face of the deep. And the spirit of the Lord God moved upon the waters. And God said, let's create Jesse. <laughs> in our image. Ah. Whoa. How come the devil knows where you are? Because you look like God. You're not a servant. You are a son that serves. A woman that serves. And I lighten it. Watch this. And I give them dominion over all. Good God, man. When are we going to believe these things? I've had many opportunities to fail. I just don't take any. Well, why do you fly that jet? I've been down in three airplane crashes. That'll make a Baptist speak in tongues. <laughs> and nobody mad at anybody. Everybody come together in the unity of the faith when the plane going down. Oh, Jesus. Everybody becomes a tither. Back tithing all, boy. Just put it out. God is able. This is so simple that you need a good theologian to help you misunderstand it. Because he gives you opinions. What are opinions? Transitory forms of thought floating on the ocean of life. They change with every wave. You shouldn't be moved by opinion. You'd be moved by convictions. Convictions tells you who you are, what you should do, and what you shouldn't do. But God is able to make all grace, all spiritually, physically, financially. He don't care because you can't break God. He's El Shaddai. He's not El Cheapo. <laughs> on your best day, you can't. Some of you, may be on, some of you might be on a fixed income. Look like you need a fix. Why are you trying to make a living when you ought to make a giving? You make a giving and you'll more than make a living. See, it's the law of Genesis. Seed time, harvest time. That's how all of you got here tonight. Your mom and daddy sowed some seed. <laughs> they did. <laughs> and you are the harvest of that. Look at the kids. What's that? You'll know later. That's exactly what happened. Do you understand that? I had a friend of mine, he came to my house one time because his wife, this beautiful woman, her name was Cindy, <laughs> she had had endometriosis and it scarred her womb. There was no way she could ever have any children. So her husband and Cindy come to my house <laughs> crying. Cindy said, but just, I just want a baby. I said, Okay. Yeah, but, but the doctor said, the gynecologist said, and, I, and I, my womb was totally scarred and everything. I said, but God didn't say that. I said, Cindy, God said, be fruitful. Well, I know he said that. I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. You adhered to the fact that he said it, but you don't know it. See, many people know about God, but they don't know God. 
He's not man that he should lie. And the Bible said, I said, Cindy, the Bible said, whose report shall you believe? Uh, we said, believe the report of the Lord. I said, then what are you here for? Don't shout me down. I'm making this as simple as you can get it. So I saw her. And I said, now go home and let nature take its course. Out the door they left. Nine months to the day that little girl was born. Nine months to the day. Eleven months later, another one was born. Eleven months later, another one was born. <laughs> Her husband came to my house. He said, we got to stop this. <laughs> Come to my house. I said, you want to stop it? He said, yes. I said, quit sewing. <laughs> and Cindy said, he can't quit sewing. He, can't, he just can't do that. Just quit sewing. It'll shut it down, baby. <laughs> don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Listen to me. You think, God, that don't bother God? You think you're giving him something hard to do? People get mad at me. I said, the Bible said by his stripes you were healed. Well, I'm not going to say I'm healed when I am sick. I'm not dealing with your am sick. I'm dealing with your word healed. If I can get you to look at your word healed like you're looking at your am sick, I get rid of your am sick with your word healed. Well, I know what you said, but I'm not going to say I'm here when I am sick. I'm not dealing with your am sick. I'm dealing with your word healed. If I can get you to look at your word healed like you're looking at your am sick, I get rid of your am sick with your word healed. I'm trying to get you to look at your answer like you're looking at your problem. All. All. Lock, stock, and barrel. Well, what about generational curses? What about them? Just because your dad was a drunk mean you got to be a drunk? You want to stop a generational curse? Make a generational choice. I ain't doing that. Oh, you make it sound so simple. It is. It is. All sufficiency. All things. This is so simple. And yet people struggle with that. I tried that and it didn't work. Trying don't get nothing done. I didn't try to come here. I never heard of rifle. <laughs> That's where we landed, rifle. Then was, look, we're doing, we're doing 600 miles an hour at 40,000 feet. Then no signs up there say rifle, turn left. <laughs> Oh, but those pilots, there's someone talking to them. FBO people, different sinners. And, and man, that jet knew where to go, how to turn. Someone's talking to you. He that hath an ear, let him hear what I'm saying. God. Well, I, how do I know his voice? Oh, God, here we go again. My sheep. Are you a sheep? Rub your head if you find horns, you're a goat. <laughs> my sheep, not believe, know. Know my voice. Oh, and a stranger, they will not follow. I've had Mark Hankins ask me this over the years, and a lot of other people, and I, I use Mark because y'all know him real well. Jesse, how do you know where to go? I have over 9,000 invitations. I just know where I can get to all this. Now, you see, this is where I was totally wrong. Y'all preachers, this is where I was totally wrong. I thought, brother, as I got older, that my ministry would decrease because they want younger people. And that's okay with me because me and Kathy can fly to Hawaii and suffer for Jesus the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking. But it hasn't happened. It's sped up. Look, I'm going home tonight. And then I'm about ready. I'm flying out. Then I'm going to, uh, where am I going first? I'm going to Bermuda. Never been there. Boy, they're waiting on me. Then I'm going to Verona, Italy, right close to Venice, Italy. Then I'm going to Denmark. And then I'm going to Switzerland. This is all in the same week, just cooking. And then I'm going to France. Then I'm going to fly back over the ocean and go into costumes in Portland, Maine, and head straight back to New Orleans. Then I'm going to Cape Town, South Africa. Good Lord. 
I had someone, one of my uh, finance people say, but Jesse, you know, you don't charge people. All this fuel in it, it's going to cost about $500,000 between hotels and the people you're bringing. And I looked at him. I said, you see me blink? He didn't ask me to pay for it. He asked me to believe for it. The anointing of increase is on me. It, it's on me, man. Don't get mad at me. It ain't my fault. Well, how'd you get it? Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. That's Deuteronomy 8.18. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he. Who? He. That giveth thee power to get wealth. Oh, I thought wealth was bad. Why did he give you power to get it? I was telling this to Pastor Mark in the back. In 47 years, I've never had a financial deficit. And I'm going to tell you why. The teaching apostles did. The apostle Paul. The apostle Peter. The apostle John. The Apostle Jude, I mean, all of them, they had financial trouble. Jesus never did. So I decided I'm going to follow Jesus. Yeah. I'm not, not going to follow Paul's teachings. Now I know why. I'm not going to follow Paul's teachings on finances because he had trouble. But Jesus didn't have no trouble. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, be ye therefore imitators of Paul. Be ye Im- therefore imitators of me as dear children. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> See, let me show you, and I was telling him why Paul had problems. God was trying to bless the man. God wanted to bless him. And the, the, he, God wanted to bless him, ministry and bless him. And he, he went, oh, no, no, no. I work in my own hands. I make tents. Well, that's good. That's gracious. He should be a worker. But he was wrong. And in the next epistle, he corrects it. He said, I did you a disservice by not receiving from you. But now that I have received from Ephrodites the things you're giving me, I'm full. I have all and I have bound. He corrected it. I was, in the, I was in the who's who of the preaching world many years ago. I was at John Hagee's. I like John. He's such a blessing. I used to be on the board of Regents of War Roberts University. I knew Dr. Chancellor Robert. All I don't mean that private. I just that's the way it is. So we're all sitting there. And they started talking, Mark, about what's the biggest donation ever given to the ministries. Now I'm sitting next to John. I'm about this close to John as I am to you. And John, John likes to stir up stuff. John, somebody. I love John, but he's going to stir up something. <laughs> so, I mean, and one of them said, well, some said a million dollars. Some said 100,000. Some said five. Some said 50,000. I didn't say nothing. I just said that. And John said, Watch this, y'all. Hey, Jesse, what's the biggest donation anybody's ever given you? I said, trust. They went, trust? I said, I'm not trying to be humble here. I said, guys, never break it. Never break it. Because if you do, you may never get it back. Or if you do get it back, it may take you your whole life. Well, how come you've never had a financial deficit? I said, I didn't believe for it. You know how many preachers told me now, boy, you better get ready because the devil going to beat you and bust you and stomp you and kick you. But he that endureth, I say, so your salvation is an endurement instead of an enjoyment. Oh, but see, when you hadn't been raised this way, you believe the Bible. I didn't know what ordination was. Somebody I was telling, they said, who are you ordained with? I said, do I need that? What is that? I, I wasn't raised in church. I mean, I got married at Holy Rosary Catholic Church. And that priest said, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? I said, as soon as you finish, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, he caught me drinking the holy wine in the back. Oh, God, it's blessed. I said, sure is. There's some good stuff. I don't, that's why y'all don't, y'all don't give it to people. <laughs> oh, and he didn't know what to do. I was a heathen. I was a chief of sinners. I did stuff that I can't tell you because the statute of limitations hadn't run out. <laughs> I was a rock musician, a rocker in the late 60s and early 70s. I worked on the same circle as Led Zeppelin, ZZ Top, Kiss. A little bit later, Kiss was in the 70s. I mean, in the later 70s. I'm telling you, you know, Alice Cooper, Sly and the Family Stone, Percy Sledge. When a man loves a woman. Oh, come on, baby. Just sing it, will you? You (laughs) Girls screaming. Listen to me, young people. Girls screaming. And that was your grandma screaming. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's your grandma screaming. <laughs> you know the one with the floppy arms? Yeah, that's your grandma. I got saved in a bathroom in Boston, Massachusetts. Every time I go to the bathroom, I get excited. <laughs> I think about where I got saved. There's the throne there, so I got, it just works for me. My wife got born again before me watching Billy Graham. I was doing a show for the Minnesota Vikings, 1972, called The Purple Game. Purple Game. Anybody remember that? Oh, yeah, man. I'm telling you what, my Lord, man. Two years later, I'm doing this show. Never seen sin in my life. I mean, I taught the devil some things he didn't know. I was raised on the streets of New Orleans with the Locosa Nostra. You know what that is? The mafia. You do what you're going to do. My grandfather said, somebody mess with you? That's what the Mississippi River's for. Alligators got to eat. I'm serious. I know he buried people in the swamp. He said, somebody mess with you? We take care of our business. Now, when you taught that that's normal, which is abnormal and murder, <laughs> where's Fred? <laughs> Witness protection. <laughs> I'm serious. So I had that in me. Because I like what they had. They had power. They had money. They had women. I said, I don't want that. I didn't want the church. Broke as a junkyard dog. First time I ever went to a Pentecostal church, and I saw them women. I said, there ain't going to be no lust in here, boy. <laughs> Didn't believe in makeup. I'm talking, ah, gag a maggot ugly. Lord Jesus. It was rough, boy. Don't get mad at me. I didn't know. The only thing they believed in was eating. Boy, they would eat to the foot so fat, couldn't fit in the shoes. Just come on, boy. And I don't care if you fat and you like you, and I like you. It ain't none of my business. That's your business. But I got born again. They got to understand what it looks like. Head under here. Dark chocolate brown. I did have brown hair. Like, like you, sweetheart. My hair was about your color before it went white on me. But that guy. Uh, see how long you hair it. Pretty close. Yeah, I'd say anything, you know. Man, just playing, slinging the sweats. Girls just screaming, man. Jesus sandals on, tie-dye t-shirt, Levi jacket, embroidery. It's the 70s, you know. This was Labor Day weekend, 1974, on a Saturday night. Had a guitar man. I play 11 instruments. I can play all this. I'm about ready to go, and Kathy says this to my wife. Hey, Jesse. My name then was Jerry Jackson, J-A-X-O-N. Looks good in lights. Jesse, the planet is too, is too Cajun, you know. That's what agents and managers do all that stuff. She said, Billy Graham's on television. I said, what that got to do with me? What that got to do with me? And she said something that caught my attention. He pulls more people than you do. That caught my attention. I said, you know, the boy does fill up stadiums. I said, I'm going to watch this guy. I sat on the corner of the bed. And I thought, hmm. And he says this. He started giving an altar call. If you're in a hotel room, I went, oh, geez, I'm in a hotel room. Write me and I'll send you the same literature that I'm giving to these that are coming down. Then you remember Billy Graham would just come by and we said, pray. Man, I got up and I got out that room and walked into that bathroom, closed that door, but I couldn't close that door fast enough. God got in there. I didn't know what to pray. Other than the Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed by, that's all I knew. That's it. That's it. I didn't know nothing else. Zero. And for the I was taught not to cry. That's weakness. At five years old, man. I've only hugged my mother once in my life. I was five and a half. My grandfather went. I backed away from my mama. How many times mama wanted me to hug her? That's weakness. He said, we're men. I mean, if a truck ran over your leg, my grandpa and my dad said, put them bones back in your leg, boy. I ain't paying for them bones. <laughs> you just didn't cry. Now, my sister cried. Oh, yeah, yeah, you take it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And I had a hard time and still have a hard time. You learn to suppress. Any men in here know what I'm talking about? You can't do that. You don't do that. That's how I was raised. 
I didn't know what to say, Mark. I didn't know the salvation prayer. Believe with your heart, confess with your mind. Jesus rose from the dead. You know, repent for you. You know what my salvation prayer was? I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Whatever Billy said. <laughs> That's my exact word. Bam! I got born again right there. Something happened, but I never heard the word born again. I never heard the word saved. My mother and father did get saved. <laughs> and mama said, Jesse, would you like to get saved? From what, mama? By that time, you know, uh, you know, I'm out the house. You know what I'm saying? I'm out the house. I'm not dealing with any of that stuff. I open up the door of the bathroom, my three-year-old daughter. I have one daughter and one granddaughter. Jody, she's 51 now. She was three years old. She looks at me. She goes, Mama, Daddy, not going to hell no more. I looked at Jody. I said, Jody, did your mama tell you I was going to hell? She said, yes. <laughs> I looked at Kathy. She said, well, I can't lie. You were going to hell. I walked out. I had to go do that show. I had never seen sin before in my life. This was a beautiful place, 3,000 people in it. I'm talking gorgeous, man. I walked in there, and we opened up the show with Sly and the Family Song. Well, I want to take you higher, you know. Feeling getting drunk. Remember that song, anybody my age, you know? You know, when people just doing smoking up, whoa, man. I mean, tripping, boy. And, you, and you, I was supposed to say, feeling getting stronger, but I didn't say that. I went, everybody in this place is going to hell. <laughs> it just came out. And my drummer, Jimmy, said, grab it, man. He's tripping. He got some bad drugs. He's, he, he's messed up. I thought, now, y'all may call this cussing in Colorado, but we call it a location in Louisiana. I said, what the hell did I just say? <laughs> See, it's a location in Louisiana. Look at some of y'all. Here it might be cussing, but not Louisiana. So, man, after the show, and I saw sin. I'd never seen sin before. It was an upholstered sewer. People sinning. People smoking dope. Hey, man, we're going to hell, man. I did the show. I walked out. I went up to the hotel. And I said, Kathy, I got to get out of here. I was born again. God didn't save some of me. He saved all of me. I was drinking a fifth of whiskey a day, scotch and soda, scotch and water, eating eggs in the morning. By 2 o'clock, that fifth is gone. Then drinking at night. Drugs took trips and never left my house. Ooh, just come on back. Miracle of God, I live. My own doctor said, you'll, be, you'll have cirrhosis of the liver by the time you're 24 years old. Drinking. I said, man, I'm going to live long anyway, so who cares? Got born again. <laughs> the only time I'd been to church was twice when I got married. And Kathy, after she got born again, <laughs> my brother got born again. And we went down to see my mom and her mother in the New Orleans area. And Michelin was always short. They wanted me to go to church. I said, I'm not in the church. Just you need to go to church. I said, I've been to church. But she should have said, you need to go meet Jesus, then go to church. But I didn't understand any of that. And that time I went, I literally did this. I'm not proud of it, but I did. I was on the back pew, the only one with long hair, you know. And it was a Pentecostal church. I didn't know what Pentecostal meant. But my brother found this church, and I was like, come on, Jesse, you got to come with me. All right. So I went. So I'm sitting on the back. The pastor was a great guy. He gave an altar call. Now, I wasn't saved in those days. I'd never seen an altar call. I didn't know what that was. So I was respectful. Bowed my head. And nobody was coming up. He said, hey, you back there with the long hair. You want to get saved? I said, that fool is talking to me. <laughs> and I said, what the F you said? This is Sunday morning. I said, I'll kill you, man. I cussed that man lower than the dog. And the people in the church, oh, oh, oh. Like that. My brother said, grab him, man. I'll kill that man. It was with the Lacoste and Ostra. Pow! You popped that! And defy anybody to say anything else. That's strong. My brother grabbed me, put his arm Get him out of here, man. I was so mad. I cussed them people lower than a dog and cussed that man. 
And I said, don't you ever bring me into a church again. Now, before I say, you don't think I was crazy? My grandfather said, well, supposing we go to jail for 30 years? Yeah, but you, the guy that you took care of, you stopped what he'd done, what he did, what he's doing, and what he's ever going to do. You just think about that bloody face and don't worry about it. You do your time. That's crazy. That's insane. That's Lucifer. And my mama got my grandfather saved seven days before he died. She got it. She said, Dad, I ain't let you go to hell. He never read the Bible. He didn't know any of that. My father didn't even know who Jesus was. Never went to church. He just didn't do that. And then I got born again. And I went back to that church. <laughs> that pastor looked at me. I said, listen, I, I, I got saved, man. I'm sorry. He said, I never heard words like that in my life. <laughs> he said, you would have killed me. I said, oh, yes, sir. He became my pastor. Isn't that something? I kept apologizing. He said, don't worry about it. No, 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 no. No, don't worry about it. Now, watch this. When I got born, I got born again at about a quarter to nine on a Saturday night. After I did the shows, I said, we got up Sunday morning. I said, let's go to church. Guess you're going to go to church? Well, Jesus was a churchgoer. I had received the spirit of Christ. I said, yeah, where are we going to go? I was going to go to the Catholic church. But a bus drove past that big hotel. I said, let's follow that bus. It was a church bus. We followed it there in Boston, Massachusetts. Not a big church. Seat maybe 150, 125, something like that. Sat down, you know, the typical hippie hair, you know, and, you know, T-shirt, the jeans. And never heard a message in my life other than what Billy Graham said. I'll never forget that. And he said, we're believing God. I thought, believe in God? How you do that? Believe in God? I never thought about God. I was so indifferent to God. So I'm mixing some of my testimony with this. See, because God is able to make all grace abound towards you, even though you may be a chief of sinners, man. So when, it, when, when they bowed their head, he, uh, when they would dismiss the church, someone dismissed the church. The pastor went to the back of the church. And he stood by the door, and he was shaking people's hands as they go out. You know, like the old way they used to do things like that. So I waited. I'm 24 and a half years old. And I walked up to him, and he goes, thank you for coming. And I said, I, my throat was raspy from singing rock. I said, I enjoyed your talk. I didn't call it a sermon. I didn't know what it was. I enjoyed your talk. He said, well, thank you. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, you said you believe in God. What does that mean? And I could tell he didn't want to talk. I looked like I was poor. He had no idea who he was talking to. He had no idea. You can make a million dollars a night. That's nothing. Nothing. Devil pays well. God pays better, but the church won't let you take the check. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. They get mad at you. I said, what do you mean by believing God? And I had on that a Levi jacket. You know how they had them big pockets in those Levi jackets back in those days? He said, well, we believe in God for some things for our church. He said, for Sunday school. I said, Sunday school. Kathy said, catechism. Oh, I said, oh, catechism. Is that, is that what you mean by Sunday school? Yeah. He said, I said, well, how much you need? He went, huh? I said, well, how much you need? He said, well, we need about $8,000. They had just paid me $80,000 for nine weeks of work. That ain't counting what I made. That's, just, that, that's, that's pizza money. $80,000 for nine weeks of work. Uh, 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 work. I said, $8,000. Huh? I opened up, and I always carried cash on me. I had a ball of cash in there, and I gave him $8,000. He's freaking out. He goes, <laughs> and I said, you don't buy drugs with a check. You understand? You don't give no drug dealer a check. <laughs> you, it takes a while in Colorado, but you're going to get it. You say, yeah, you don't buy drugs with a check. It's cash. What, what's the, you know what's the first thing I did after I was born again? Less than 24 hours? What's the tithe on $80,000? I became a tither and I didn't even know it. First time I ever heard that, went back to that man's church. 
took four months to get me out of the music business. You just don't leave. You're under union contracts. I mean, and, and at that time, the mom controlled all of the big places and the different things, and you just don't walk out, buddy. But I had to have a sit-down with them. 